Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are control. Back to the Jiggy Jaguar radio show on the network. We are back live here on our big broadcast. We are coast to coast and border to border. We're going to be going to Sandra Lee here in just a few moments. She is going to join us here on our broadcast to talk about some education issues and some of the different things going on around the country and around the world. If you want to get a hold of us online, it is JiggyJaguar.com. And we have got uh, Sandra Lee coming up here in just a few moments. But let's tell you about the future of work. It has changed. Entrepreneurs need tools that allow them to communicate from anywhere. That's why virtual PBX flex plans are essential for every business. Virtual PBX transforms your smartphone and your computer into a full-featured virtual phone system. Flex plans include features like virtual receptionist, telephone numbers, text messaging, custom greetings, and so much more. The best part is, right now, you can get a professional phone system for as little as $13 a user. Just visit virtualpbx.com slash podcast to claim your discount, and you can visit virtualpbx.com slash podcast to get started for less than $13 a user. So let's go to Sandra Lee. She joins us today here on our broadcast, Coast to Coast, Border to Border on iHeartRadio today. Also, AMFM247.com, the great Sandra Lee with us. And uh, Sandra, there is a, uh, a Washington uh, WSJ columnist who basically has talked about the ethnic studies gold rush Basically talking about progressive activists to stand to pocket millions from the implementation of this new curriculum, this, um, you know, this weird studies. Tell us about some of the different things. You are a former school teacher. Tell us about some of the different things going on on the campuses across the country and around the world. Sandra. You know, James, I started writing these, these Dear Donald books a number of years ago. The first one, Dear Donald's letter from Letters from a Loving Deplorable, that's me. I wrote him letters. I've written this man hundreds of letters. The second book, Dear Donald, Four More Years. The third book, Dear Donald, A Rainbow in a Winter Sky. And you know, when I first started writing, I talked about what was going on in schools. This was before anybody was talking about critical race theory or some of these new things that are being pushed in the schools. I was sensing this years ago saying, you know, these schools are moving. They're pressuring teachers to teach stuff that is uncomfortable for them to teach, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't seem patriotic, that doesn't have anything to do with the American dream. So I saw this coming years ago, and I talked about it on Newsmax a couple of years ago. And here it is, boy, they're out to get these schools. They're going to make a fortune on these new things they're trying to teach, this critical race theory. It's a bunch of baloney, but guess who's waking up? The whole country. Do you think parents want this stuff shoved down their kids' throats? They do not. And a lot of these teachers do not want to teach it. And so you're going to see a massive exodus. People are going to not even want to go to public schools anymore. They're going to demand rights to have all kinds of charter schools and private schools. Our tax dollars for education should go where we want them to go. Don't you shove this stuff down our throats. Don't you try to brainwash our kids. Do you see what's happening in Cuba? Do you see that? I mean, beware. We do not want to be Cuba. It's insidious. It's just drip, 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 drip. And next thing you know, they've taken away your guns. They've taken away your rights. They've taken away your privileges. They've taken away your right to tell them what you want to learn. We want to learn reading. 
writing, and arithmetic. Don't brainwash us. Don't brainwash my children. Don't brainwash my grandchildren. Don't brainwash my great-grandchildren. This is God bless America, and it's going to stay that way. And these huge companies that are taking over America have to be broken up. Amazon, Facebook, Google, they're censoring the free voices of America. That has to stop. God bless Donald Trump. God bless every prayerful letter that I sent to him in my three books. Don't try to get them on Amazon because Amazon does not want to bless Donald Trump. But you can get them at Barnes & Noble. Sandra Lee, dear Donald Books, I love this man. I was so happy to see him at these rallies. I was so joyful watching CPAC. You have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. This man is one of the bravest people who's ever walked the earth. He's going to save this country and save this world from being consumed by China, from being turned in to places like Cuba. You think that isn't possible? You think that couldn't happen here? It certainly could, but we're not going to let it. We're not going to let it. Sandra are coming with us. down around Washington. So, 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 and Sandra persecuted these people unnecessarily. So, Sandra, what were you going to say? Uh, t- talk to us a little bit about what you thought of the president's speech at CPAC. Oh, it was wonderful. It was vulnerable. It was honest. Of course, he reiterates a lot of the same stuff that he always said. But he said some new things. He said some bold things. He said some brave things. He said, you think we don't have the evidence of voter fraud? We have so much evidence, it's beyond your wildest dreams. How far will we push this? It's kind of scary to pull out a current administration and maybe take a military takeover. Who knows how far it will go? But I can tell you one thing. I can tell you one thing. Donald Trump is back. And, oh, my God. The thousands and times thousands of people who show up for these rallies, how thrilled they are, how happy they are. This is going to be a very powerful next term. I think it's going to be Trump and DeSantis, and I think the people have woken up, and they're sick and tired of what's happening all over the country. The nightmare at the borders, they're the, the, the individual homeowners are arming themselves to protect themselves against what's going on at the border. Some have literally abandoned their homes because they don't feel safe. It's pretty, pretty scary. You know what Gordon Chang says about China? Not to be as afraid of them as we are. That they're in many ways falling apart. You think their people aren't wanting to turn against them? There are many, many people in China who are oppressed and who don't want to live that way anymore. A lot of bad guys there, but a lot of good guys, too. So just fasten your seatbelt, accept well, the best, well, well, Sandra, and watch out for four more years of Donald Trump. Well, Sandra, I've got to wrap up here because my next guest is calling, but I will talk to you next week, my friend. I'll look forward to that. Thank you, my friend. There she goes, Sandra Lee. And uh, she joins us today here in our broadcast. That wraps it up here from our big broadcast. We are coast to coast, border to border on iHeartRadio today. Also, AMFM247.com. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Let's play. Let's play. We are back live here, coast to coast and border to border on iHeartRadio today. Also, I am FM. 
247.com. Tune in, iTunes, and of course you can find us each and every day over there at JiggyJaguar.com. Our brand new app is up and running on the website, and uh, also it's going to be available on both the app stores, iPod, and Google Play. Why have I started screaming? I, 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 I've, I've done that today a lot. I don't understand what that's about. However, turn my headphones up, as uh, Dave Chappelle would say. Get a hold of us on JiggyJaguar.com. We are going to go to Erwin Zucker here in just a few moments. The uh, fantastic Erwin Zucker. He is pretty amazing. He has had quite the life in the world of... PR, I guess you would say. But before we do that, let's tell you about our latest sponsor. That's right. You know it's Virtual BPX. Are you starting a new business and concerned about using your personal number? For less than $13 per user, you can get a business line with FlexPlats. The all-new business phone planned by Virtual PBX. Say it with me now, kids. Flex Plans provides unlimited calling, business texting, and video conferencing for entrepreneurs that need a way to connect with their customers. It includes a free soft phone app allowing you to make calls from your business number on any computer or smartphone. Plus... It includes two free local or toll-free numbers, a virtual receptionist, professional greetings, call forwarding, voicemail to text, and so much more. Right now, you can save 15% by visiting virtualpbx.com slash podcast. That's less than $13 per user for your business line. That's right. Separate your private line from your personal line today by visiting virtualpbx.com slash podcast. Do it today. We are going to go to Erwin Zucker, the fantastic Erwin Zucker, and uh, we are going to give him a holla, 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 and uh, we are going to see if the legend Erwin Zucker is there. Erwin, how are you, sir? Okay. Are you going to call me or what? I'm just calling you right now. (laughs) I was just getting ready to call you on the phone, but you called me, so we've got you. How are you, sir? Or he's going to hang up, and I'll call him back on his phone. Whatever. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. So let's call the great Erwin Zucker, biggest star in the business. Don't believe him. Just ask him. He'll tell you. Let's see what happens here. He was right there, and then he was gone. What happened? Okay, there's, there's the lowdown. <laughs> the lowdown. It is Erwin uh, Zucker with us today, the fantastic book publicist. Uh, if, if, if there was a Hall of Fame for people that booked people on TV shows and radio shows, you would be in it, my friend. Uh, Thank you for that wonderful eulogy. <laughs> I love it. Erwin Zucker with us today. He joins us live here on our broadcast. There is a book in everyone, even you, and he's here today to tell us about this. Do you really believe this? Do you really believe that everybody's got a book in them? You'll have to speak up just a little. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Do do, do you truly believe that everybody's got a book in them, Erwin? Erwin, yeah. do, do, do you truly believe I don't that? Too well on this one. Do, 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 do you truly believe that everybody's got a book in them, my friend? Erwin, are you still with us, my friend? Can you hear us? Okay, now I now I hear you clearly. Okay, okay. So, Erwin, do you do do you do you truly believe that there is a book in everyone, Erwin Zucker? Well, I think so. I think there's a book in everybody. And if uh, people stop to think about how it's done, uh, they'll be very happy and they'll be very surprised. It doesn't have to be a big book of several hundred pages. Uh, It could be uh, of any amount as long as it's interesting. Uh, Because I've worked with almost 4,000 authors over my 65 years in public relations in the book industry, and I, I've seen it happen. 
with people who don't expect too much, things do happen. Even with you, what about you writing a book? Oh, God. No, no, nobody wants to read a book by me, Erwin. Come on. <laughs> Come on, my friend. So it's Erwin Zucker. He's with us today here on a broadcast. So uh, what are the successful steps for a book to sell, Erwin? Well, a book has got to have appeal to people. Uh, the, the book's got to be, uh, it just can't be a lot of words to just slap together. The book has got to be helpful in some way. And if somebody picks up a book, they've got to be enriched by it somehow. And it's got to help them. So that's, that, that's the whole secret in the book business, how a book can be helpful, how it can be entertaining, how it can be resourceful. Uh, there, there's so many things that a book can do for an individual. It is Erwin Zucker. He's with us today here in our broadcast. Erwin is a legendary book PR guy, and he joins us today here in our program. So what tips do you have for prospective offers? Is, is there a daily schedule on, on writing okay, a book? Well, Tell us about this. Well, that's a good point. Uh, uh, first, I, let me ask you, how did your uh, guest go about an hour ago, uh, uh, Adrian Rubin? Adrian Rubin was absolutely amazing. We loved Adrian Rubin, my friend. Well, she is a, a typical example of somebody who was sort of content as a school teacher, as a, as a wife, uh, as a mother, and everything. But she still felt something was missing. And she felt that being a writer is something that she wanted. So. I feel there's a, uh, a writing spirit within each of us, and, and that's what we've got to do. And we've got to uh, do it in any possible way, either on a computer, uh, writing every day something, devoting something every day to the book. You don't need a title right away. A lot of people think, oh, I need a title. You know, no, no, you don't. You just need a, a couple of ideas. And if you just sit down in front of your computer and just uh, write words that are on your computer, in fact, you've got an, it's good to have an outline of, of what your book is all about. But the, the book should be about your background, about the, your family. There's an old saying, write about what you know. You've heard that expression, right? Yes, indeed yeah. I have, my friend. I have. Yeah, write write what you know, and and you can do it in several ways. You can do it. You can uh, write in longhand. You can write on your computer. If you have an old-fashioned typewriter, that's okay too. Uh, any way you can get words on a paper, and it doesn't have to be done in one day. Just do it slowly. Think of an idea. Think of a, well, if you want to make it in an entertaining way, think about your own background, your own family. Think if you have kids, uh, why is it fun every day? Think of things uh, that you can put down on paper or in a book that can help other people. That is the whole secret of writing a book. And uh, uh, there's even been a long love song out. If I could write a book about the way you look, about the way you cook. Uh, the, the, the ideas come flowing from different directions all the time. And uh, uh, writing a book, as I say, you don't have to worry about the title right away. That, that, that could be the last thing in writing a book. Although a lot of people think that should be the first thing. You know, see, I've got a great title now. Well, if it, that works for you, then work with your title. But you've got to have uh, ideas that can flow in an entertaining way. They have to be informative. They've got to be helpful. And if you can add some humorous touches, that's uh, another big secret in the success of a book. Humor. You know, add some in funny incidents. Make it a fun book so it's easy to read. And as I said, don't don't, you don't have to make it several hundred pages. In fact, think just about 200 pages uh, of, of how a book should be. 
because a lot of people get bored with a big book, you know. So uh, that's these are just my opinions, and a lot of people agree with that, you know. Yeah. It is Erwin Zucker. He's with us today here in our broadcast. So, Erwin, tell us about these awards that you do every once in a while with the Buck Publicist of Southern California. Tell us about the Irwin Award. Tell you, tell you about the Irwin Awards, you say? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Tell us all about uh, them, Okay, Irwin. okay, okay. Well, uh, your author, the author that you had on about uh, uh, an hour ago, uh, Adrian Rubin, she's an Irwin Award winner. Okay, Irwin Awards. Actually, uh, the Irwin Awards are named after me because uh, I founded an organization 26 years ago, 26 years ago, called the Book Publicists of Southern California. And uh, I was the initial president. Nobody else wanted the job, really. So I I was president for 18 years uh, with the Book Publicists of Southern California. Then all of a sudden, some members of the group decided to come up with a, an award named after me, and they called it the Irwin Award, uh, and uh, I-R-W-I-N. And uh, it's, a, it's an acronym that stands for Industry Recognition for Writers in the News, I-R-W-I-N. So we started giving out the awards every year in different categories. And that's what we did, you know, uh, in different categories. It worked out very, very well. But mostly the Irwin Award uh, was not based on uh, the popularity of a book uh, or how hard somebody worked promoting the book, but uh, on how the book could help somebody. And actually, the uh, the Irwin Award was sort of like a, a pat on the back for any author, anybody who could be helped in some way. So uh, that that's what the Irwin Award is. And uh, this year will be our um, 27th annual Irwin Awards. Uh, we give out about, uh, gee, uh, about 15 to 20 awards in different categories. And uh, it works out very, very well, you know. So uh, thanks for asking about the Irwin Awards and speaking about the book publicists of Southern California. Anybody in any part of the United States or any part of the world, actually, for that matter, can be a member of the book publicists of Southern California because we have lively newsletters. We have uh, terrific uh, meetings. Uh, we Right now we're doing our meetings on Zoom, and uh, people from all over the world can Zoom in on our meetings. And I hope uh, one of these days we go back to our regular ways that we used to have our meetings, either in restaurants or hotels or some uh, terrific dining spots, and uh, we, we'd meet about every other month. So I uh, hope to go back to that, but uh, things haven't been uh, coming back to full normalcy yet, you know, so, so we're working on it. But uh, we, we love to hear from your uh, audience, by the way, if any of your your people listening to me right now would want to speak to me about uh, further information about how to uh, work on their book, how to make it more successful in the writing stages. That's what we try to do. We help people to write the book in, in, in the writing stages. Uh, they can call me at area code 323-461-3921. I'll repeat that number, area code 323 323- Four six one three nine two one, and if anybody in your area, anybody listening to this show at the moment, would like to become a member of the book publicists of Southern California, uh, we can work that out very easily. It's only thirty five dollars a year, and you get all the information, and you get a lot of good information that helps people. So we're trying to help people. That's the whole thing, and we want people to have a uh, a schedule almost every day to do something to help with the writing of their book. In other words, uh, uh, they don't have to write, try to write the whole book in, in a couple of days or a week or, or even a month. Just write down thoughts, either 
working with your computer, as I said, or working on an old-fashioned typewriter, or do it in longhand, and write down thoughts that can help people. But it's good to have a central theme, uh, just like uh, this uh, author that you had on an hour ago, uh, Adrian Rubin. Uh, she, she's, she was in the jewelry business, and uh, she became very successful in writing about uh, her life in the jewelry business. And she came up with a good title, Diamonds and Scoundrels, uh, because people wonder, what is a scoundrel? Well, if you think about it, in any type of a business, uh, there are scoundrels. They're, they're bad people. They're people who are really not nice. So those are scoundrels. Now, I don't know where I, I, I wasn't able to hear the show. I don't know whether Adrian mentioned that uh, she's writing a new book about the real estate and scoundrels. Yes, Did she mention yes. anything about that? Yes, I, I asked her about that. I said, are, are, are you going to be writing another book, maybe perhaps about uh, the real estate business? And she was shocked that I knew that information. Well, you've got, you've got to tell people you've got a lot of spies all over the country, all over the world. You, you get you get information <laughs> on on authors and everything, and I really compliment you on how you work with authors because uh, it seems that uh, they get along with you very well. Uh, you love authors; they love you, and that's how it's got it's got to work out that way. Uh, an author and a and a reader have to be friends, yes. and the writing, yes. by the way, the writing should be very simple. You don't have to worry about editing at the, at, at the initial point when you're starting to write a book. Because I do believe everybody has a book within them. And if they, as we've stressed this a couple of times, if you write about what you know about your family or about your own uh, uh, education or the jobs that you've had, uh, how you've helped people, uh, just put it down on paper and things will work out. But you can't do everything at once. It's got to be a slow process, but it's got to be a helpful progress. Uh, it's got to help people in giving them information that can help them. And, and you can't worry about the price of a book. And the, the, there are things right now where a lot of people are doing their own self-publishing. And that's a very important factor in the book publishing business. People who are listening to me right now can be their own publisher, believe it or not. And it's been happening for the last several years, you know, self-publishing. In fact, if people go on their computer and just go to the two words, self-publishing, or it's actually one word, I guess, with a dash between it, self-publishing, you'll see a lot of information on your computer, and it will work out beautifully. Uh, you get a lot of good information, and you can be your own publisher. And you can then, after you self-publish a book, uh, there's a thing called uh, distribution, getting a, a book into the bookstores, or and uh, that, that you can find a lot of information on the computer. In fact, the computer can be the best friend for a writer and an author, believe it or not. In my opinion, uh, you can get uh, so much information on the computer about writing a book. Uh, in fact, uh, if anybody listening to us after they're through with me in the program, they can go on their computer and look under uh, self-publishing or, or book publishing or just publishing or just writing or look uh, uh, if they want to get an agent to work with them, because a lot, a lot of people uh, think self-publishing is too complicated for them, so they'd like to get a, a publisher. Uh, they, they could look uh, under literary agents, and you'd be surprised. On your computer, you see a list of literary agents. And if you want to be a little more specific, you can say literary agents in New York, you know, and find out who the leading agents are in New York. and Or you can literary agents in Los Angeles or li literary agents in Chicago. 
or San Francisco. Those are the four major cities that have the uh, the, the the more most important literary agents who can help you. But look, everybody's got to get started one way or another, and you've got to get started with uh, your desire to write a book. And uh, as as we've said a couple of times. Write about what you know, what you know. Uh, for, for example, uh, uh, James, you're, you're in the radio business. You're in the communications business. You're, you're in the TV business. You're in the people business. So you, you, you can write a book about uh, uh, any of those subjects that will help people in those respective fields. And that's what I urge people. And uh, I think most authors who have a, an idea in the back of their mind, gee, I'd love to write a book, they can write a book. But they've got to convince themselves, they've got to sit down and, 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 and really work it out, do something every day. And that's, that's what I tell aspiring authors and writers, write something every day. Now, a lot of times, you, 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 if you don't want to write a book, you can write an article, you know, or, or, or something for a newspaper. Uh, but you've got to get into the swing of writing, of, of, of communicating with a potential audience. And that's what I urge people to do. Communicate. You know, dispense information that you have to people. And think of, uh, of the angle of your book, the direction of the book that is going to help people. So that's very, very important. For example, if you have a lot of new information about cancer, for example, uh, you ought to find, find out more information about certain aspects of cancer and start writing a book about that because there are a lot of people who want information about the different types of cancer. I understand there are about a hundred different forms of cancer, and uh, people can be helped in that field. But it's like uh, any any field, whether you're in sports or uh, uh, or learning something, uh, even learning a language. Uh, you know, for example, uh, if somebody wants to learn Spanish, and you you and you and you've been successful in in learning Spanish yourself. Put it in a book form or something. Yes, indeed. Now, the great thing about writing a book is that uh, you never get stuck with it because if, if you have uh, several hundred copies of your book uh, after you've written it and, and you can't sell them, you can always give them to relatives for Christmas. They, they make great uh, gifts at Christmas time or any holiday just to... Uh, wrap a book and put a little message on the outside of the book or you can autograph the book in a very cute way for a holiday spirit. They make wonderful holiday gifts. Don't you Don't you feel I'm right, uh, uh, Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, people, well, people love to get uh, books. Yes. And uh, uh, if it's personalized, uh, they love it even more. And that's one of the secrets of a book. If the personalization, make it on a one-to-one basis, and uh, yeah. So, um, uh, any other questions you got for me? Well, before we let you go, Irwin, how do people get in touch with you uh, over over there, so so people can get more information? Irwin, can you hear us, my friend? Can you hear us? Okay. Uh, we're about to wind this up. Uh, Irwin, I, uh, c- can you hear us? Can you hear us? We've, we've, we've maxed everything. Can you hear us, Irwin? Okay, well, I, I want to thank you for everything you've done for our office. Yes. Yes, yes, indeed, Irwin. Well, Zucker, like in zebra, Z U C K E R, 
Before we do that, we want to tell you about our fantastic new marketing partner. We've been talking about them all month, and we're going to continue to talk about them because they're fantastic. That is the future of work. They have changed. Entrepreneurs need tools that allow them to communicate from anywhere. That's why virtual PBX flex plans are essential for every business. Virtual PBX transforms your smartphone and your computer into a full-featured virtual phone system. Flex plans include features like virtual receptionist, telephone numbers, texting, of course, text messaging as well, custom greetings, and so much more. The best part is right now you can get a professional phone system for as low as $13 a user. Just visit virtualpbx.com slash podcast to claim your discount. Visit virtualpbx.com slash podcast to get started for less than $13. And we go to our first guest here on our big broadcast. N.L. Holmes joins us here on our broadcast. How are you, my friend? Welcome back to the program. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. So you have a uh, just a tremendous, tremendous uh, project out there. Tell us a little bit about this this latest project that you have out there, my friend. Well, uh, I have a new book out as of the end of last month, which is uh, the fifth book in the Lord Hani mystery series set in ancient Egypt. But in terms of upcoming projects, I'm doing something kind of fun, which is uh, two novels in serial form for the new Amazon Vela format. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's talk about those. Those sound very interesting. Tell me a little bit about the process and and putting this all together. Oh, gosh. Well, um, I'm not sure yet because they haven't actually emerged, but I think this month is when Amazon's putting this out. Uh, You buy, you get tokens, so to speak. You buy tokens, and then you, uh, you buy each episode as you want, like every day or every week or something. And they're just short episodes, 1,500 words or so. Uh, this was the way a lot of the great novels of the 19th century were published, like Charles Dickens stuff. So I guess there's a market out there for serial novels. Fantastic, fantastic. We have got N.L. Holmes with us today, the Lord Honey Mysteries, and she joins us today here on the telephone. So what inspired you to pen this mystery series, basically of four books, Set in the 14th century Egypt, you, you, you take us behind the, the powerful pol- political intrigue and family drama of the kingdom. Tell us all about it. Well, I guess what attracted me is that very, very little is known about what happens in Egypt between the death of Akhenaten, the so-called heretic pharaoh who had overthrown everything completely, religious, social, economic, uh, and the advent of his presumably son, uh, Tutankhamen, or Tutankhamen as we know him. Uh, there's a period of a couple of years in there which is hard to know what happened because uh, the successors of Akhenaten just erased him from history. He, they took out every reference to him. So it's really only in the last, uh, the previous century or two that we've even known he existed. And, and so we still don't have a good fix on this period. And therefore... It's a great place for the novelist to sort of spin a tale. It is N.L. Holmes. She joins us today here on a broadcast. How does historical fiction help us gain an appreciation for history? Tell us about this. Well, I think it will be obvious to any reader how many similarities they are. there are. Uh, this was a, a period of, of social and, and moral upheaval. Uh, things were happening too fast. People felt disenfranchised. They felt confused. And so it got violent. And uh, there's also a plague going on. So I think, you know, I think the modern American reader can identify with this. Plus, and this is sort of my shtick, people then are just like they are now. I think you can look at them and the mistakes they made and uh, the choices they made and, and kind of see your own reflected in it and maybe maybe improve on those choices a little. Fantastic. It's N.L. Holmes. She's with us today here on our broadcast, The Lord Honey Mysteries, and she's with us today here on the telephone. Now, your series is based in part on a real but not so well-known historical figure, which is Lord Honey. What was he like in real life, and how did you portray him in this incredible book? Well, 
have no idea what he was like in real life. His name occurs as the diplomat performing certain missions, several of them, in fact, in ancient documents. About him personally, we know nothing except the name of his father. So he's essentially a fictional character when he shows up in in my books. Uh, I sort of, you know, I looked at what he had done, the fact that he was a very trusted uh, diplomat, he was given very sensitive missions and over a very long period of time, and I thought, well, what kind of guy could have inspired that sort of trust? And, you know, he would have to be competent, he would have to be uh, intelligent, um, understanding, perhaps, co- uh, compassionate. And so, little by little, I put together what I thought might be a, uh, a believable character for him. He, he's a great guy, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. You know, he's very uh, very understanding, a great father, uh, loves his family a lot, and struggles with his conscience when he's asked to do things that he doesn't believe in. And yet, you know, this is the government he serves. So I think he's, um, he's also a, the sort of character that a modern person could latch on to, even though his values may be a little different than ours. Fantastic. It is N.L. Holmes. She's with us today talking about the Lord Hani Mysteries, and she joins today here on our big broadcast. So where, where, what are some of your goals for this book? Uh, well, I guess my goal for anything I write is, is very simple. It's the same thing that my goal in the classroom was, and that is to convince people that the, the people of yesterday, of even the very distant past, were just like us. They had the same emotions. They had the same range of, you know, emotional reaction to whatever happened to them. And therefore, they're comprehensible, and their their decisions are comprehensible, even though they may seem, you know, superficially very different than us. It is N.L. Holmes. She's with us today here on our big program, Coast to Coast, and Border to Border on iHeartRadio today and also AMFM247.com. Tune in, iTunes, and of course you can find us each and every day over there at JiggyJaguar.com. So what has been some of the feedback and uh, some of the different criticism, uh, I- I- anything you've gotten on this book so far? Well, the uh, the reception has been better perhaps than I expected. I thought this would be a very narrow niche, uh, only you know, people who are crazy about ancient Egypt would buy into it. But I think mystery lovers have found it attractive, too. And uh, critical reviews have been excellent. Uh, some pe- some readers like it and others don't, which is comprehensible. I-, I think the chief criticism is all of the foreign names. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. So if it... If if you don't like to deal with foreign names, then perhaps these are not the books for you. <laughs> I wish I could call them Jane and Henry, but I can't. <laughs> it is an incredible guest with us today. N.L. Holmes joins us here on our big program. And uh, Coast to Coast, Border to Border on iHeartRadio today. And, of course, AMFM, 247.com. Tune in, iTunes. And uh, so... Where where do you see this this book going? What 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 are you know what, what are you hoping people get out of this book? Well, I I hope, as I say, that they they feel they can connect with these characters from the past. Uh, that they'll form a kind of personal bond with Hani and his family over the the course of the the, the books of this series, and that they'll want to come back for more, that it will interest them in the past, it will interest them in ancient Egypt. Um, There will be one more book in this series, and then I want to do some prequels to take Hani back to his younger years, and and, because several of uh, his adventures in in that period are referenced in the the series that we have here, so I think it'd be fun to, to track him back in time. Awesome stuff. It is N.L. Holmes. She's with us today here on our big broadcast. Coast to coast, border to border on iHeartRadio today and also AMFM247.com. Tune in, iTunes. Now, of course, uh, before we let you go, how do we, uh, how do we get in touch with you online and, and, and everything else? Well, uh, I have a website, of course, www.nlholmes.com. And I'm also to be found on Facebook and, and um, 
Instagram and, you know, all the usual social media. So uh, I look forward to hearing from readers or interested potential readers. Fantastic. Well, uh, I look forward to chatting with you more uh, down the line. Thanks for doing this. And uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. Good luck with the book and uh, keep us updated on on everything else. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Definitely. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, NL. There she goes, NL Holmes. And she's with us today here on our big broadcast. We're going to take a brief time out. The legend himself, Erwin Zucker, is coming up. I am astounded. I am uh, just amazed. I'm going to get to talk to the great Erwin Zucker here in just a few moments. Uh, but if but if you want to get a hold All right. We are back live here on the Roku Broadcasting Network via amfm247.com. And we have a fantastic, fantastic guest today. Uh, I have been getting all sorts of emails and all sorts of folks that want me to interview our next guest. And so we are finally able to make this happen. We have congressional candidate Billy Prempa with us today. He is uh, joining us live. And uh, Billy, welcome to the big broadcast. How are you, my friend? Thank you so much for having me on. It's an absolute honor. Thank you for having me. Now, you have been involved in uh, doing all sorts of different things. And this, uh, I want to talk a little bit about, first of all, this Juneteenth thing. Uh, A lot of people keep giving worst to first Joe Biden and the rest of these guys uh, credit for creating Juneteenth, but you actually say Republicans should be thanked for this. Uh, Take me through this, brother. Tell me a little bit about this. Well, it's not even that Republicans should be thanked for this. This is a holiday that um, I think is really awesome. I think it's a great thing that this holiday is being recognized. Um, The truth is, though, that the Republican Party, and it was the Union soldiers of the North that went to Galveston, Texas to let the slaves in the South, the Democrat-controlled South, let them know that they were still um, being held slaves when the Emancipation the Emancipation Proclamation was signed two years prior. So this is uh, one of the few holidays that uh, I believe that the Republican Party should have actually came out and, and spoken quite a bit about. But the truth is, many people in the United States had no idea about Juneteenth, unfortunately. I mean, I've knew about it for quite some time. I'm a black guy. But uh, many people <laughs> were not aware of this holiday. Um, so I'm happy to see that it's a it's a national holiday now. But seeing how people like Joe Biden and the Democrats are trying to use it as an opportunity to stoke division and um, and and just you know oh, reopen old wounds, I, I find it to be very disrespectful because at the end of the day, it was a Democrat party that put the African American community in in, slave, in chains to begin with. So yes. um, yeah, that's why I made that statement on social media about that. Well, this is the thing that I. I just don't understand why people don't seem to get the fact that the that the party of Lincoln freed the slaves from the Democratic Party. Uh, there are so many people that just miss this part of it. Well, there's 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 people that know that, and there's people that are aware of it. The thing is, I think it's the way the media is portraying a lot of what's going on um in the uh, in the united states right now they're using it as an opportunity to spread division and completely alienate the fact that lincoln even had anything to do with this or even that uh what the day was initially about the day was is a day of celebration for unity um it's the day where the rest of america the slaves that had no idea that they were americans in this country have been um told that listen you guys are free and what the confederacy has been doing to you guys they're lying to you they're keeping you guys in bondage the democrats are lying to you and they're keeping you in bondage it's the same thing that's happening right now to a lot of people in the African-American community. They're being told all kinds of lies to feel as if they're a victim or feel as if they they contribute absolutely nothing to society or nothing to this country. And we do. We contribute tremendous great things to this country. And um, this is a day that should be celebrated. It shouldn't be a day that's used as an opportunity to spread division and uh, racial hatred towards white people and vice versa. Because I see that happening a lot in the media. I see it happening in social media. And um, I'm sick and tired of it. So if we're going to tell the story about Juneteenth. Let's tell the truth. Let's tell what it's all about. And let's use it as an opportunity for all colors to come together. Now, with the Juneteenth holiday, which is the ending of slavery, why is it that Democrats have decided that they want to do this critical race theory thing? 
Well, because that's how they maintain their power. Like the Democratic Party for a long time, um, they use their they they use race relations and identity politics to put people into boxes. And when they're able to put people in boxes, they can use that to control people. And they use the emotion that people have for specific topics to push an agenda across. You know, if you've studied Marxism or looked into socialism at all, you'll see that in order for that kind of mentality to work, there has to be a huge divide in the two classes between what what uh, Marx, Karl Marx called the bourgeois and the proletariats, the haves and the have-nots. That's not necessarily the case in the United States. Anybody could make it. But one thing that's immutable that can't be changed is our skin color and our race. And despite all the strides our country's made in the past 245 plus years, they still continue to reopen the wounds of slavery, slavery, racism, racism, as if that's the only thing yep. that African-Americans have amounted to, where most of this country wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for African-Americans. We have a lot to offer to society, but the Democrats Democrat Party does not want African-Americans to know that they don't want us to acknowledge that they want to just keep reminding us about how we're victims and how we're, we're we, we've been we've been harmed. And that's not necessarily the truth. They can't succeed and their rhetoric can't succeed without division. So they have to have some kind of division. That's why they speak the way that they do. One of the things and you are a terribly smart guy. So I, 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 I get the impression you're not one of these. You know, I'm going to die on that hill kind of guys, you know, (laughs) with the way things go. The things that I've been trying to figure out for the last, I don't know, it seems like 10 to 15 years, but maybe just fairly recently, (laughs) Uh, the last couple years with this rise of Bernie Sanders being the most popular politician in the United States and then guys like Trump uh, rising on, on the Republican side of things. I see so many of the, the Republicans, their favorite thing to do is to yell and scream about, oh my God, socialism. Oh my God, socialism's coming. When in reality, I think what's happening is a lot of these young people, and, and you, and I'm sure you can probably, you know, Look at this too, because with your parents coming from coming here from Ghana, uh, immigrating over here legally, people just want a fair system. It, it's it's not so much, you know. I want to go take Bill O'Reilly's house away from him and get, give it to somebody. <laughs> I, I I think it's the fact that you know there's there's young people nowadays that they've seen. Mom and dad and grandpa, they can't pay their bills, but yet Jeff Bezos is getting ready to get on a plane and go to the moon. Yeah. And it's like these guys can't pay their rent and have about a nice car in two years. But for whatever reason, the Republicans don't look at the and the Democrats don't Democrats are the problem too. The Democrats, the Republicans scare everybody by going, Oh my god, it's socialism. Or, or with the Democrats, oh my God, they want all this, this radical change. You're one of these guys, just by looking at your history, you don't, you're not running around yelling, oh my God, socialism, and, and oh my God, the, the radical change. Why is it that the people that just want a little bit of fairness, they can't have the fairness without it being completely over to the other side? Well, first off, I want to start by saying that I absolutely hate socialism with a burning passion. Yeah, yeah. I, that's the first thing that I want to yeah. say. I absolutely do not. See that—that's the thing. It. Yeah, I. So the reason why, like, the reason why politicians like Bernie Sanders have become so popular, and the reason why socialism has risen, I actually agree yeah. with what you said. Democrats saying that they don't want all this radical change, and yep. Republicans saying, yep. "Oh my God, it's socialism." I agree. It's crazy on both ends. <laughs> but, you know, let's talk about the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is, yeah, there definitely is some Marxist ideologies that are being yes. put forth. Yes. You know, we're, put, we're pitting races against one another when in the United States, the United States flag, our, our anthem, everything about our country is about unifying people from all cultures yes. together. Yes. Theoretically, the United States as a, as a concept should not exist. A country where people from many different walks of life, from all different parts of the world, come together, abandon where they, they're from, and, identi- and, and adopt an identity that unifies us all past barriers, past religion, past color. The yes. United States, in theory, should not exist, but it does exist. The thing is, the people that 
that came to this country had to sacrifice to create this. And I'm not just talking about the people who started the nation. I'm talking about over the years, everybody who's come to this country had to sacrifice something to come to the United States. The children that were born in this nation, I happen to be lucky enough to be one of those children that were born in this nation because my parents made that sacrifice. Many of the kids that are born here have no idea what this sacrifice is or what it entails. Yes. So when they see something messed up, for example, you see a homeless person on the street. It's a horrible situation. The good news is in the United States, you have the opportunity to build back because that does not I, that does not define who you are. If you go to India, for example, they have caste systems where if you're a specific skin color, no matter what, no matter what you say, you're always going to be at this level in society, period, because of the caste system. So now that right there is real oppression. That's real systemic oppression. That's real systemic yes. racism. In the United States, the homeless guy on the street is a million times better off than the homeless guy in the, in the streets of India or in the streets of Mumbai. This is a fact. You have an opportunity to do things that you can't do anywhere else in the United States. But when you're born here and you're born into that privilege, because it is a privilege, being an American is a privilege. We all have American privilege. We have the ability to do things that others can't. And we should be proud of that. You see, but when we're born into that privilege, we have no idea of the struggle. We have no idea about the pain that had to that had to be endured in order for yes. us to have this privilege. So we look for we have so much privilege. We have the opportunity to be offended about things that don't matter. Things that are just arbitrary, our own beliefs. You don't believe what I believe, or you don't think that I'm this just gender. You're making fun of the fact that this or X, Y, or Z. We have the privilege to be offended about things. Well, on the other side of the world, there's people that are being beheaded, that are being killed, that yes. are being set on fire, that are having their lives completely destroyed. And the truth is, Hideki Tojo is a general that that fought in the the Japanese uh the Japanese war during World War II, he made a famous quote that like, I, that has always stuck with me. He says, you can never invade and destroy the mainland of the United States because if you do, there will be a gun hiding behind every blade of grass. If you want to destroy the yes. United States, the United States must be destroyed from within. And that's exactly what's happening right now. The Chinese can't beat us militarily. It's not going to be worth it because they have too much to lose. But if yeah. I can change their culture, change the way they think, change their beliefs, change the way that they identify. I mean, China owns most of Hollywood. A lot of the stuff we see coming in television right now is propaganda. Propaganda designed to turn us against the United States, to turn us against our constitution, to turn us against our flag, to tear our country apart from its roots. And they're utilizing the African-American community and another, a, a, a several minority groups like the LGBT community, the Hispanic community, and the Democrat Party yep. is using them yep. to pit each other against one another to, to tear our country apart from within. Because if you go just as far back as Pre 9-11, for example, the world and the America that I knew, I never, the concept of racism just was not a thing. You know, even after that, even when I was in the military, just racism was just not a thing. It's not until about 2010, 2012, where it's all racism, racism, racial, 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 racial. Nobody cared about those kinds of things. When I grew up, we had, you know, Italians, Albanians, African-Americans, Hispanics, everybody. We all joked. We all hung out. We all lived our lives. And we all had one thing in common. We all were American. And we yep. all were happy to yep. be here. You know, that's how they're able to get away with this. And because the youth in our generation doesn't know about the past and we have these super radical uh, professors in our college teaching everybody that it's systemic oppression and white privilege and this country's inherently racist and rape culture exists and all men are inherently rapists and all these things to turn the sexes against one another, the elderly against the youth, the black against the white, the gay against the straight, the, the, the Christian against the Muslim yep. and so forth, yep. and so forth and so forth. It's, it's, it's all being done on purpose. And I see this. And one thing that I want everybody in America to do right now, the most important thing that all Americans can do is come together and rebuild this nation at its core, at its heart, because we'll never be able to do the great things that continue to lead the rest of the world forward until we heal our heart. I completely Sorry. agree, my friend. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. I, I, so why is it you've decided to, to, to make this run as a congressional candidate? So I decided to get in this run because, like, we, like we're talking about here, my city and my district, as, as a matter of fact, has been controlled by Democrats for well over 40 years. You know, nothing positive has happened except for taxes increasing. People are moving out. Developers are buying up all our land in our city. There's no the home ownership is decreasing. Our education is falling apart. Violence. Forget about it. It's through the roof. In my city, we just hit the 107th shooting since the beginning of the year. You know, two of these people I knew personally. We've been killed in my community. There's no job opportunities for a lot of people in our district. And people are moving out of New Jersey in droves. The congressperson we have in position right now, he brings no money to the district. Instead, he's on Twitter all day bashing President Trump. And Trump's not even in the office anymore. That's literally all this guy's done. 
And for the past 20 years, he's just taken every single issue that's happened in our district and pushed the blame to somebody else. I never thought I'd ever get involved in politics. But when I really started to question why all the bad things are happening in my community, the first people I got mad at was the council. But then I realized the council's yeah. hands are tied because they still have to do what the mayor wants to do. So I said, OK, the problem is the mayor. But then the mayor's hands are tied <laughs> because the mayor can't get anything done because he needs money to come from the federal government. And yes. he also needs money to come from the governor. So there was two options. Run for governor run for Congress and fix this entire district, you know, and seeing that, seeing how this congressional, this, this, uh, this, uh, my opponent has been here for 24 years. He's 84 years old. He's out of touch. He doesn't come outside. He doesn't do anything but photo op and complain. I said, if we're ever going to fix this issue, you know, with all due respect to his entire campaign, he is destroying my community. He's been destroying my community for a long time and he's got to go. And I'm only 31 years old. I'm a young guy. I got time. I got energy. And I want to go on there and get the job done. You know, I don't want to be in there for a long time either. I'm not trying to be a long term politician like this guy, because when you're in there for long, that's how systemic political corruption happens. And this guy is the definition of systemic political corruption. He's in there. He's got a son making millions of dollars lobbying on his behalf to different companies and they're tearing apart our district all right so somebody has to go in there with a bulldozer somebody has to go in there and call out the real questions and put the feet to the fire and really address these people i'm sick and tired of politicians tiptoeing and dancing around in circles so i decided to get involved in 2020 the 2020 race we got involved i broke a record for the most votes for a republican candidate in the ninth district ever the previous record i beat by 33,253 votes now this is an a deep blue district. The city I live in is an inner city. It's 35% of the vote, heavily, heavily Democrat. I was still able to shift those votes. While the rhino party here in my district is telling me, you can't beat this guy. You can't run in that area. It's deep blue, only to find out that all these chairs have business deals with my opponent. So they don't really want anybody to win in this district. They don't want anybody to pass it. They want to keep this area blue. They want to keep the violence down. They want to keep the violence high. They want to keep the taxes high. They yep. want to keep the education yep. low. And they want to eventually buy this city out and buy out this district because it's not just happening in Patterson. You know, people are being pushed out of their homes in Fort Lee and Rutherford all across the district. Super development is happening. People from New York, after they shut down their they shut down their economy during COVID, all these super hardcore liberals are now moving into our district and they're gentrifying us out of our own communities. OK, yeah. and if we don't stand up, we don't do something about this. We're all going to be gone. Right. The people here, they feel like there's no one hearing their voice. People need work right now. And at a time when, when when COVID has come to an end and people need work now more than ever, a lot of people don't even want to go to work because now the government is giving them handouts. This is exactly a, a page out of the Marxist handbook. And this is what they want. They don't want strong, empowered, hardworking Americans. They want weak, dependent Americans that are dependent on the government. And we can't have that. I'm coming in there to launch the spark and start a fire in the heart of American people and start our country back all over again. And I'm willing to fight the fights that nobody's willing to fight. I'm willing to go into the districts that nobody's willing to go into. I'm willing to go into the neighborhoods that nobody's willing to go into because our literal, the, the, the literal soul of our country is dependent on fixing these areas. The areas where nobody wants to go, we have to go to these areas. Because the Democrats for 40 years have been tearing our district apart. I'm coming with new ideas. I'm coming with new passion. And I'm coming to restart the fire in the American public. Fantastic. So that's why I started to get involved. Fantastic. Well, before we let you go, my friend, how do we get in touch with you on social media, websites, contribute to your campaign, everything? Sure. So you can find me on Twitter, Getter, and Inst you can find me Twitter, Getter, and Facebook at Billy Prempa. That's B-I-L-L-Y-P-R-E-M-E-H, P-R-E-M-P-E-H. Sorry about that. Or you can go to my website, BillyPrempa.com. Um, and you can make a donation to there. You can share some information. If you'd like to volunteer, you could also do that on that website. And um, if you want to find me on Instagram and other social media, just search for some guy named Bill. Any donation. <laughs> you you see, because awesome. I'm just some guy named Bill. You're just you know, some guy like, named Bill. That's fantastic. You know, my, my opponent, the 24 year awesome. uh, uh, incumbent, Bill Pascrell, I'm Billy Prempa. I'm just some guy. I decided to get involved with a regular guy. person, you know. <laughs> This constitution was written for regular guys to get involved. It wasn't written for yes. the Ivy League suit tie guy. It was it was written for some guy to walk in with great ideas and shift our country. It was designed for us to understand it. So everybody, if you'd like to help the campaign, BillyPrampad.com, Billy Prampad on social media. And thank you so much for having me on there. It's been an absolute blessing and I had a lot of fun on this interview. Well, I'll tell you, Billy, um, and I and I, I hate I hate to do this on the air, but do you have any time this afternoon you could come on the uh, on the radio side? 
on the radio side? Yeah, uh, because I'll I'll tell you this this has been fun, and I would love to have you on the radio show this afternoon if you've got time. I've actually got I've actually got another interview at twelve. Well, this would three. be this would be four oh, set oh, oh, this oh, would oh, be four oh, central, oh. five eastern. Okay, so so no five eastern. I'll be in the middle of an interview. Okay, well that that's fine. I'll get well, I'll get with your people and. Give me a give me a call, send me a text message, or reach out to my team, and we'll do another one. This was yes, a great interview. Yes, because I want to get you on with. Uh, he actually uh, he co-hosts the, uh, the the Thursday show with me, Don Mazzella. He is a Fox News radio reporter. He's out of New Jersey, and and oh, wow. the fact that you know this area as well as you do, I think you guys would have a blast. So well, I'm going to get with. I'm going to get with your people, and we're going to see if we can make something happen in a, in a couple weeks. Thank, thanks for doing this, brother. I really enjoyed you doing a, doing the TV show today with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, brother. Definitely. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Billy. Appreciate it, brother. Take care. There he goes, Billy Primpa, and uh, that is a fantastic interview. You can get more information on our website at JiggyJagwire.com. J-I-G-G-Y-J-A-G-U-A-R.com. That is that. And we will inevitably, I didn't, we'll see you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.